welcome to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com, where we bring you insightful, liberating, intuitive people from around the globe. They share their life's journeys and experience wisdom to guide you on your own discovery of self. Each week from Tuesday to Monday, we will bring you new shows on our many genres, and with over 1,400 shows, we have the answers for you. Enjoy your listening on SelfDiscoveryRadio.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Their Story Matters with me, your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest, Lynn Cochran Murphy. Now, what would you do if your house burnt down? You lost your siblings and then lost your father who'd come in to rescue you. Your mum wasn't there at the time, but in dealing with her own grief, really actually didn't know how to deal with it at all. This was Lynn's journey. She was only two and a half, three when this happened. She was scarred from some of the flames. Her father did die of smoke insulation after trying to save all his children. Unfortunately, was unable to save the other two. And then you're growing up with a mother who could not deal with the loss. And in a lot of ways, just even didn't know how to deal with the surviving child. It left Lynn kind of feeling a little unwanted. Half of her family had gone. And she's left with a mother who really doesn't know what to do with herself. These are the beginnings of Lynn's journey. To lose one parent is hard enough. To lose siblings and lose another parent to their own grief or to their own disillusionment with life, that's really, really hard. But out of this has come her living hope. She has managed to find those steps to living after the suffering, to leaving the suffering behind, finding a way to find a reason to live, to enjoy life, to love life, not seeking that love and approval from other people, but looking at it from in herself. She's written this beautiful book, and we're going to be discussing it today, but we're also going to be discussing how hard it was to actually overcome that. She was young. She didn't have any of this adult garbage that we generally carry around with. She didn't know the emotions that she was going through. So let's take this journey. Let's see what she did to unravel it, to put herself in a place of living hope, and what she is doing today to help others leave their suffering behind and move forward into their beautiful abundance in life. Welcome, Lynn, to the show. Oh, thank you so very much. I appreciate you having me. Oh, absolute, uh, absolute delight. And, you know, there's, every now and again there's that story where there is such an abundant amount of loss and um, a challenge. And, you know, n normally it happens to people a little older. And so kind of they're really very much aware of what's going on with them and very much aware of the loss. But you're a child that's been thrown into this mix. Suddenly, you know, dad isn't there, siblings aren't there, mum isn't functioning very well. Um, this is really, really hard for a child because, you know, a child's life has been completely disrupted. What are your first memories that you can remember of this, of your life being so shattered? Well, I think there's a little bit of memory in the hospital and um, confusion wondering what happened and where everybody went. Um, then in the apartment that we moved to after that, there's a period of um, uh, wanting to be held and, and um, to keep my mother really close. And um, apparently it, people couldn't 
hold me or touch me at first because of the burns. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I think it also, um, you know, my mother was just coping. And so I remember wanting to be cuddled and held and being put into bed and the bedroom door closed and me, <laughs> me sitting there again going, but, but, but. Yeah. So um, loneliness, I think, was one of the predominant feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've just lost everybody. You don't know where they're going. All you know is they're not there anymore. And you just want mama's love. You just want to wrap yourself up in right. mama's arms. And, you know, this part right. of it is like, well, we don't want to hurt the burns. But the other part of it, she kind of shut down. She was incapable of doing that. Right. I don't know that many people would be equipped to deal with that. And I don't know why my family um, never recommended therapy. I, you know, it was the 50s. Yes. So maybe that just wasn't an wasn't option done. back yeah. then. Yeah. Right. Um, so she did go to, to a minister and talk to him. And she just didn't get what she needed, apparently. Like, because, you know, I think a lot of people don't have answers as to why this stuff happened. Um, so other family members encouraged her to, to go out and have a drink and have another drink. And that was when all that started, mm. years and years of drinking. Right. And she did remarry. She did remarry when I was four. And... Um, that was her first abusive relationship that I'm aware of. It was emotionally abusive. Mm -hmm. um, he, you know, he provided for the family, but that's that's something that we say to like make it okay. He, other people liked him. He, you know, he appeared nice, yes. but no, he was abu emotionally abusive at home. Then he died um, when I was nine in a in a logging accident, working for one of our relatives. So uh, that was the end of that. Um, then mom remarried when I was 10. And this was a man with a serious drinking problem. And um, gave her an excuse to yeah. drink more. So she never coped. And I'm not, um, you know, I don't want to draw the picture that she was all bad. She had a job and she was a bookkeeper and um, was always employed and um, I remember her laughter when, when uh, she would watch football with her brothers, you know, how much she enjoyed it, and she'd yell at the TV like everybody else. And so um, she had her moments when she was a little happier. But overall, no, it was, it was a very difficult life for her and thereby for me also. Right. Do you think that, you know, a little bit of survival guilt, um, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's... It, it's, I remember actually when my, when my dad died, apparently I was 11 and I went to my mother and said, God took the one that was the weakest and left the one that was the strongest. And, you know, mm. the, um, which, you know, that's one of those things that I did as a child and never knew where it came from. But, you know, sometimes it is the strongest that's taken and, and they've been the ones who held, hold everything together. And then the other person just purely is, Ill, you know, ill-equipped to deal mm -hmm. with things, you know. Um, and as you said, no therapy. Uh, people just didn't do mm -hmm. it back then. You had to just suck it up, right? Get over it. <laughs> and, right. Uh, and uh, you, know, um, you know, it sounds like really kind of, kind of almost wishing that she had gone, you know? I mean, how do you deal with losing two of your children and your husband? You know, it's, uh, and then being kind, right. of, being kind of told to, well, it happened dear, now move on, which I'm sure is what people said, you know? Yeah, I don't know what people said to her, but um, 
Yeah, I think she was had a really tough a tough go of it, and then she needed to provide for me, mm-hmm. which she did. She worked, and um, we always had you know smaller houses or, or so on. But you know there was always food on the table too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the thing: is that you know when people are functional with their duties, um, yes. but they're dysfunctional in you know in their in their socialization or their connection with anybody. And it's like they're just automotive. Yeah. They're just robots. You know, I call them the walking dead. You know, they, mm. they, they can go through, you know, all the things that they have to do to maintain the body. But there is no connection to life, to soul, to heart, to spirit. You know, that died along probably with the fire. Well, I thought it was interesting. There were times when um, she and I would talk about that because she was raised Christian. And um, she would tell me that she would turn it all over to to Jesus because I, I, I would see her cry and and then she would feel better but it didn't stay better for her mm-hmm. you know that it there was temporary solace but but nothing long term it was really interesting to watch and it had a big effect on me yeah you kind of see somebody and you think this is it oh the change is going to happen and then you know the pain becomes too overwhelming and then they fall back into their their escape which, of course, you know, alcohol and drugs is the easiest way of going, isn't it? Well, certainly, um, especially with alcohol being legal, that it's it's everywhere. Yeah. And you can lose yourself in it pretty easily. I, I wonder, you know, I, I'm sure that it has a lot to do with why I became a substance abuse counselor. Yeah. That, um, you know, it's like I'm looking for answers and, and getting trained in that explained a lot to me, an awful lot. Yeah, I did a show uh, a few years ago with Tracy McGee, and she comes from a family of alcoholism and uh, generations of it. Uh, she herself lost 10 family members to mm. alcohol. And, uh, and she, at 15, had a drink in her hand, and she, said she made a decision. She knew if she took that drink, it would be down that one road. And instead, she put that drink down and went into substance abuse and, and the fighting against it. And it is... It is your environment, isn't it? Things that happen to you that kind of give you that crossroad. You can follow that route or you can be the solution to it. I think that's that's really powerful that every every moment there's an opportunity for choice. Mm-hmm. And every decision you make sets up what's coming next in your life. So you can stop something like a family pattern of of alcoholism or addiction or dysfunction, family dysfunction, or you can continue it. But -hmm. then the next day you can start over again and you can improve things or you can keep it the same or you can make it worse too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, life is about choice. Um, You know, we have another show here called Choose Positive Living and, you know, that really is a choice is that, you know, I know I, I suffer from some depression. So I know when you're in that depression, it's such a dark place. It pulls on you so much. You know, it feels like somebody's just gone in and ripped out your heart and, you know, just, ah. Uh. And I know that, you know, it's a chemical imbalance. So, and a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of that is, you know, when you're thrown into sorrow, it throws, you know, the chemical imbalance out in your body. And, uh, you know, that grief that they're suffering is a lot of what people in depression suffer from. And it's, um, you know, these drugs that they give them are just, you know, mind-altering. They're just another form of, you know, alcohol or, or other type of drug addiction. Um, they don't help people cope with things or help them rebalance. And in a lot of ways, it can make it worse, can't it? 
Well, I think that um, if a person is going to take medication, because some people, you know, they can't get out of bed and they can't function, and it, it's pretty horrible. Um, if they're going to take medication, then you need to get counseling at the same time because then you have a chance of getting off the medication at some point and, and thriving again. So I would never do one without the other. Um, but but for some people, I think the medication is necessary. Hopefully it's temporary, though. And that's the thing, though, is that you can't be reliant on it. And, and also, you can't even be reliant on the person counseling you through something. They're there to help pick you back up, to steady you, and to make you strong enough to walk forward in your own journey. But ultimately, it is your journey, and you have to own it and find strength within it to move forward. Mm, those are really strong words, and I mean that in a positive way, mm-hmm. because that is the truth. It's your decision. A therapist can give you tools and support and um, turn the light on, but it's your decision if you're going to see and continue to see if you're going to take the steps. And the therapist will even give you homework to do, and if you don't do it, then how are you going to move forward? Yeah. Um, and, of course, there's the blame game. You know, it's always, you know, pointing fingers, this person made me do it or this person ruined my life. And, and especially if you've been through, uh, you know, I call it browbeating, the emotional abuse, uh, other people don't see it. And generally those people are very, you know, cordial and bright and fluffy to everyone else. And then, you know, behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. Was, that was my marriage. Uh, and people didn't believe it, you know, because <laughs> they didn't see anything. Um, and if they didn't witness it, they you know just didn't believe it. So you stop telling anybody, and it wears you down. You know, it's Gosh. it's like fists coming at you all the time, beating you down and beating you down until you're a pulp. And it's so hard to come back from because there is no evidence of it. That is really really tough. And I think that um, getting support from people who will back you up is really critical. I think that um, believing in yourself and doing things to support yourself through that time. So I remember with, um, I got married very young um, so I could get out of my parents' house really Mm -hmm. and um, got divorced really young. And I remember my mother and others wanted me to stay with my husband because he was a decent person, couldn't really hold a job, but he was a decent person. And and that was good enough for them. Yeah. And they wanted me to stay married. And I, but part of me knew, oh my gosh, my life is just you know teetering on the edge. This is not this is not the life that I want. And I left anyway. And and it turned out to be the, the absolute best thing I could have done. But there was a a little voice inside me that knew that. But I wasn't getting reinforcement from others, so right. I just had to go with that voice inside me to what was right for me. Yeah, you write that in Chapter 2, you know, law of cause and effect. And, uh, um, you know, the emptiness and the loneliness created a deep yearning for love. And in your early 20s, you went, uh, were spent looking for love in all the wrong places, which never satisfied my emotional needs. There were some wonderful men in my life during that time, but that surely wasn't the whole of my experience. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, that is... That is the thing that we, when you're seeking love, and, and you know, don't forget your, you know, I was brought up uh, in the 50s as well, and, you know, our parents, this physical hugging, loving on your lap, you know, playing with you, things just kind of wasn't done. That was handed over to the nanny, um, or, you know, somebody else to do, you know, that it just wash behind the ears, make sure you have food off to bed, you know, children should right. be seen and not heard, and, um, and so you, 
as an adult, you change that love, looking for that love of that man, right? In a lot of ways, mm-hmm. it, it becomes a sexual love because you think that sexual love is something where somebody is loving you. Mm-hmm. And it can send you down such a a wrong path, you know, as you said, love in all the wrong places. Right. Well, it's so unfulfilling. Yeah. It's, you know, only temporarily fulfilling. Um, and I think that that's one of the keys in the book because later on I, I, there's a chapter about um, self-love and that whole process of realizing that other people are not going to do it for you. It does not come from human beings. It comes from within or from source. So if you go to those places and you can get everything you need forever and ever and it's indelible and if I go to people, it's hit and miss. Now, that's not to deny um, that I have a wonderful husband and I've been married 31 years. So it's not to deny that love, but that was just like part of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a young man in my life when I was in college and he really loved me. And I thought it was so interesting after we broke up and then eventually I got got married to um, my current husband that I realized I still loved this man from college and that it was okay. Mm-hmm. Love, just because a relationship ends, love doesn't have to die. You can care about someone and not want to live with them, you know, not want to be with them. And so that just became a friendship. But it was my experience that love is really a big, broad thing, and there are a lot of different facets to it, and to allow that to be. So I can love people from the past, I can love people in the present, and by exploring all that love, I learn to love myself, too. Exactly, and truly, if you really want to be loved wholly and completely, it starts with you loving yourself, doesn't it? You know, mm-hmm. we're going to attract what we reflect out. And if we reflect out a lack of self-love or a lack of self-value, you know, this is what I always used to say. Um, I got a lot of abuse from the men in my life. And that is because I was just kind of too le- uh, loving and too caring and too servant, you know, being a servant to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all about them, my sacrifice, and they took advantage of that. Now, that mm-hmm. onus is on them. But my responsibility was is that I was trying to please them so much to make them love me that it actually ended up turning against me. Mm-hmm. All those wrong places yeah, again. <laughs> well, and the the idea of being of service to others is is a fine thing. At the same time, we have to be of service to ourselves. Yes. And so there's this balance that we want to find in our lives and perpetuate. You know, I'm jumping to chapter six for oneness. You know, when we notice the similarities between others and ourselves, we open the door to love and to unity. When we see the similarities in our religions, whether Catholic or New Age or Jewish or any other, we open the door to communication, to trust and to peace. You know, I love that because really um, when it comes down to it, we're all divine energy. And we're in this human vessel, this lifetime. And uh, I love what the Pope says. Um, I don't care what faith you are, as long as it's based in love and kindness. And that loving kindness starts with us, and it branches out to our community. And it's to everybody. Who cares what faith you are? 
You treat people from the soul and the heart out, not from the label that you've put on them. You use the word loving kindness, and that is a term they use in Buddhism, too, mm -hmm. um, that you meditate on loving kindness and having that for the people that you love, and then the people that you like, and then the people that you just are kind of acquainted with, and then keep expanding that to the people that you don't really like, and to the people <laughs> that are pretty despicable. And it, it, it causes you to grow and have the ability to have loving kindness towards all beings. Um, so it's a beautiful process. Mm. And, and the thing is, is that even though you don't like what some people are doing, and some people are despicable. You know, again, the, a lot of that is, I think, uh, people who have no conscience. They haven't woken up, then certainly not attached mm -hmm. to the soul or the heart. They're void of anything. And they're living very much in that human thing of, of flight and fight. And they don't care what they do to anyone else as long as they're okay. Um, and there's not even really fear about these people. There's this kind of a numbness. And it's very hard to reach those kind of people because... You can reach people who are wanting to awaken to that consciousness, that you know, that consciousness of loving kindness and and simply being nice to one another is is rooted in them, um, you know, and and tapping into whatever faith that they're in. Again, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as that there is some connection to source. But you can only send that conscious vibe to people who haven't got it, wishing that their light bulb would come on. You know, mm -hmm. their soul would switch on, that the heart would start feeling and just pray that their consciousness does awaken because you can't do anything else. Sending hate just fuels them. Well, and it's poisonous to you too yes. to do that. There's a wonderful prayer um, that I put in the book that um, I believe it came out of the AA Big Book. And that prayer is, I pray for the person's health, their happiness, their prosperity. I pray for my own love, compassion, and understanding. And it, it, it even says in that book that you don't have to believe it. Just pray it every time you think of that person. So I don't have to really want their health, happiness, and prosperity. I just need to pray it because it's the right thing to do. And eventually things change. And I've seen it. I've seen it happen. It can be really miraculous. So when there's someone troubling in my life, I use that prayer. I don't, there's no one despicable in my life. But when there's someone that's troubling, I use that so that you know maybe you know source or or God or whatever we want to call that energy can can reach that person. Maybe they become reachable. And you know, you, there again, you got tested because your mom was killed. Oh, yeah. Right? So yeah. she was murdered. And so, you know, that yes. you know, that love and kindness certainly gets tested at a moment at this. Um, yeah. You know, fill us in a little on that. Well, that was such an interesting time period. I was living in a uh, metaphysical Christian commune in Oregon at that time. And so I had a really nice support system um, when that happened. My parents had bought a bar. My mom and stepdad had bought a bar. And within two months, it was robbed, and she was killed. Sorry, folks, we had a drop there. Um, Lynn was telling us about um, her parents buying, uh, a mother and stepfather buying a bar, and just two months into it, this is what happened. Please continue, Lynn. Um, <clears throat> so apparently, 
um, a man had been casing the place, getting familiar with them and their routines. So he um, robbed them late at night at closing time and um, shot and killed my mother. My stepfather was shot, but he didn't die at that point. He died later, um, a couple of years later, and really suffered in between with survivor's guilt, you know, not being able to protect his wife. So um, I think the other part of this is such a crime is that gentleman killed her for $350. Oh. Yeah. And then he spent most of his life in prison after that. So um, I mean, most all that's of his in the life, book. He should have had a life sentence. He did. He did. But because of uh, budgets and because of his age, they released him when he was about 80. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that was, I write about that in the book because that was pretty yeah. hard to take. Um, so, oh, I was saying earlier that one of the things that happened is I had to reconsider things like, um, did I believe in capital punishment? Did I believe in the death penalty? What if that came up in his trial? And so the whole thing sent me through a, a lot of processes. Uh, I didn't worry about forgiving him or anything like that at first, just in being able to cope with with it all and um, that he would be captured and end up in prison because I wanted everybody in the world to be safe from someone who would kill for such for so little. Yeah. So um, it was really, it was quite an ordeal. I was, I'm glad I was um, 25 years old when that happened. So that also was really the last of any of the traumatic events in my life. And the book talks about all of them. (laughs) You've gone through more traumatic experiences for several people's lifetimes, love. (laughs) I know, I know, yeah. So um, since then, it's all been um, healing and uh, recovering from all that and then and living a spiritual life and developing a spiritual practice so that I can um, be happy. You know, I noticed that other people could be happy, and I wanted it too. And I didn't ever believe, because of what I suffered through, that I, I, didn't, I couldn't be happy. I just thought it was possible. And, you know, how do, how do I figure out how to get there? And that's the point, isn't it, is that you can't choose your upbringing. You can't choose things that happen to you. But you can choose how you're going to react to them. You know, and you can choose that, you know, you can make a statement to yourself, you know, despite life, I'm going to be happy. And, you know, and whatever it takes for me to be happy, whatever road I need to do, you know, in that embracement of happiness, I'm going to do it. And I think that can, if you have that conversation with yourself, despite life, I'm going to be happy. I think mm-hmm. that already sets you on the right path. And and yet I don't want to minimize what it is to be depressed because I certainly was. And there were days when I was like, oh, my God, how do I get up and go to work today? Mm -hmm. Um, But then you do find the other things that feed your soul. So for me, it was meditation. It was being around children, becoming a teacher, um, oh, being out in nature, things like that. I mean, it just really helped. And then learning, studying, um, learning what survivor's guilt was. Uh, seeing therapists, working with spiritual teachers. And all in all, it just kept moving me forward to where, you know, now I get to be the teacher for Mm -hmm. um, 
spiritual classes and things like that. And, and I have something to offer others that hopefully um, brings some happiness to them. So with perseverance, it works out. I mean, and that's the point, isn't it? Is that uh, you know, life is a journey. It's it's a challenge. There's going to be roller coasters, ups and downs, ins and outs. There's going to be times you want to check out or going, what the hell now? And how am I going mm-hmm. to cope with this? And and it's just like, well, you know, this is what it's about. It's about not just surviving your journey, but you know, thriving because of your journey. Mm. And uh, you can only do that when you kind of start listening to that soul intellect, that divine wisdom. And have it resonate with your heart in a purpose and lift your spirit into action and have your mind know what it needs to know when it needs to know it. And you really, in a lot of ways, have to surrender, don't you? Mm. I love that. You know, and it took me years to understand what surrender was and how it works and so on, because I really didn't get it at first. And so I asked people and I studied people and so on, and I saw that surrender brought peace. Mm-hmm. You know, it stops the fight. It says you know what, I'm going to give up for the moment and just let myself be. And that's when the peace arises. And that's the thing is that everybody says we've got to be in control. No, mm. you, you you can be in control of making a choice to seek a path. You can't be in control of what that path is. You can only um, take some sort of control. I wouldn't even use the word control or um, awareness or ownership of uh, your reactions on that path. Mm. But, you mm-hmm. know, really control is, is, is an illusion, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think that we, you know, every decision that we make can propel us in one direction or another. So if I stay connected with source, if I stay um, in conscious contact, and mostly I do that through meditation, but there are other, many other ways, then um, hopefully I'm being guided to do what is best for me. And um, it's not through control. It's through being open and aware. And and then you're, that sense of knowing kicks mm-hmm. in. And that's what you follow. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, that's my thing, the knowingness. And, uh, you know, people go, but what is it? How do you know? I mean, I had somebody just an hour drilling me on how do I know what I know is what I should know at that time. And you know, kind of getting around in this circle. And it's you know when you're in that divine truth. You know when you're in alignment with your knowledge. Mm-hmm. You feel it through your body. It just is. There's no need to validate, val- you know, verify, um, justify. Mm-hmm. It just simply is the knowledge you need to know at that now. And this, it's so surrendering and peaceful. Mm-hmm. It is. I think that... We have to practice that, and then you can have it. It didn't come to me naturally. I didn't have it. Well, okay, I can't say that. Um, I did have some of it. Like I knew if I married that young man, I could get out of my my parents' house, and it would actually be better for me. Um, I knew that when my parents bought that bar that it was the end and that it was, you know, that opened the door for the end of my mother's life. But there are other times, oh, like I also knew that I should be a special ed teacher. I just mm-hmm. knew that. Um, but then there are other times that you don't know, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's when you want to cultivate um, that part of yourself that can know. 
and that's what I did through meditation. You can also do that through um, chanting. You can do it walking in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I think I talk in the book about um, going and asking three people that you trust, three wiser people, um, their advice, what they would do before you make a decision. That's another way to know. Exactly, perspectives. Um, you know, uh, uh-huh. there, there are kind of four key personality perspectives. And, um, you know, if, if we govern, I, I, this is what I call, you know, the soul intellect and the heart and the spirit and the mind each represent a perspective. And when you invite the soul, heart and spirit and mind to the conversation, you're now going to get a whole picture. And sometimes you may resonate from the heart on the soul and maybe your head isn't quite into it. So having a conversation with other people that may be more you know, head orientated or, or more interaction, mm-hmm. you know, helps you kind of get your rounded picture. So now you know, uh, you've got the whole story. So now you know actually what to do. So mm-hmm. we're not meant to be alone in things that we are in our, in our own self-discovery of our spirit and our soul, you know, in that meditation in that oneness with self. But we're not meant to be alone in our participation or, 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 or um, you know, um, our just our involvement in life you know it it, it, it is a village we do need to unite mm-hmm. and come together yeah i think that's true for most of us um i used to study well i still do study the um the yogis and the gurus of india of hinduism and buddhism and um you know they they do what they do by being living in a cave for a while um, very little human contact and hours and hours and hours of meditation. And I really felt that in this life, that is not what I wanted. Exactly. I want the gifts that come from that, but I want to do it in our civilization. And I want to, because if I can accomplish it here, then nobody, nothing can take that away from me. And I agree with you. I, I once interviewed a gentleman who had been pretty well a monk all his life and then kind of had stepped out of that to do his teachings and he couldn't understand why people just didn't immediately embrace this well he'd never had mm-hmm. to be a part of life and and the you know the blockades and the traumas and and the uh, expectations mm-hmm. of life and uh, you know it, he lived in that state and thought everybody should and did and didn't realize that it's it's a heavy door to open if you're carrying you know a burden and you mm-hmm. have to re- remove that burden in order to open that door. Well, and I think just things like, um, <laughs> for me, dealing with uh, the insurance company or the power company or something, some big institution that I think really doesn't care about me. They care about their profits. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to take care of me in dealing with them. And I, it can trigger all kinds of stuff in me. And so I use those things... Um, that being in the world and dealing with the, the, this world as it is, as opportunities to grow, to go, you know what, can I stay serene while I talk <laughs> with this person? And that, that it's good for me. It's good practice. Yes, that uh, just breathe. <laughs> just yes. breathe. Take a deep breath before you do it. <laughs> uh, yes. Pause, think before you react. Yes, there are a lot of those things. Now, you know, you talk about manifesting, which, of course, manifesting is in kind of um, the hot word. 
and you know, mm-hmm. just manifest you want and it will materialize, which is everybody's manifesting again. But where is it? You know, and it doesn't work that way. It's not quite what we're talking about in manifesting. And um, you use the, um, what is it, uh, uh, theater? Theta healing. Theta healing. What is that? Mm-hmm. Theta is a brainwave state um, <clears throat> that is achieved by, um, by meditating, and it it's also occurs in your sleep. When I first taught meditation, I only taught people to go to the alpha state, which is good. I mean, that's fine. But then I learned that monks who've meditated for years and years and years, they go to the theta state. And once I learned how to do that, then I could teach it to others. So it's a very um, serene and powerful state of mind. From that place, with theta healing, you learn um, particular kinds of prayers, and you can change the world from there. I certainly have changed my world. Mm-hmm. So um, I use that with clients. I teach classes in it, and it, um, it's good for removing beliefs that, doesn't, that don't serve you anymore, and it's good for um, asking God to give you anything from because manifesting can also be just um you know i don't really know what joy is i've never experienced Mm -hmm. joy and asking god to to give you that and then watching that manifest in your life you know god will always give you what you need right (laughs) (laughs) um i think that we often block yes it for ourselves like we don't think we deserve it or maybe we're not worthy or maybe later or if I had that then I would have these burdens so yeah we often block it but truly anything is possible we've all heard stories about the amazing things in the world that are possible and so I think that we should all experiment with all the little things until we get to the big ones and you know uh, you can actually understand people who've gone through some physical pain um, or physical challenges you know it's again it's evident you know, and there's people actually helping them through that. People are going through em- emotional uh, challenges, especially coming from any form of abuse. Um, it's so much harder for them to go and place a value upon themselves mm. from which to stem from. You know, because until you're willing to place that value upon yourself, that to become to become important in your own life. Um, you know, it's uh, you can't really take any of these other journeys. So it is that that first and foremost that you have to do, don't you? Because that's your permission to yourself to learn to love you. I think that it occurs over time Mm -hmm. that with things like data healing, we can really help people create a sense of um, self-worth and remove the blocks to that, that whatever they was said to them when they were young, whatever they picked up and, and eliminate that. But it's often there's just a little more to do and a little more to do, and that it's a process. I think that there are miracles, but for most of us, most of the time, it's just a process. And no matter what, if you do this kind of work, all the things that are in the book that I recommend and such, and that I've done myself, if you do this, you're going to get results. There's no way around it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's another thing with the manifesting is that, uh, you know, I want a car, I want this, I want that. If you re-dialogue it and say, you know, I would like to have, um, you know, personal freedom, ability to get around. Um, you know, I would like to have, you know, uh, more finances in my life to secure me. If you speak to that as rather than pinpointing a something mm-hmm. again god mm-hmm. will give you what you what you're needing uh, and it always comes in a very bizarre or unusual unexpected way doesn't it uh, that's the one thing that i've heard is over and over yes. is <laughs> is ask and expect but don't don't define how it's going to be because it really can be yeah. different yeah. yes i also think that um our words matter. So if I say, oh, I can't afford that, mm-hmm. then that just affirms, yep, you can't and you're not going to be able to. Right. If I say I choose not to or I prefer not to spend my money there right now, that sets a different dynamic. Dynamic That opens the door that maybe I can when I choose to. But for now, it's, that's not my preference. So there's, uh, there, there's wording that we can use to kind of open the doors. Now you have a um a seven steps to leaving suffering behind you know, your workshops. Yeah. Um can you share any of those steps with us? Well, those are things out of the book. So I'm teaching one of those workshops right now. It's um three Wednesdays in a row right now. I'm doing another one in May. And it's the kinds of things that we're talking about. So if seeking and um having some kind of faith that things can be better and then you seek that, it will come. So it's putting that into practice. Uh, there, it's also putting into practice um, going deeper and getting to know yourself better. Mm. So we use um, some of the tools that I talk about in the book for that. Um, journaling is, is a good one, and it's so fun to watch the people in the class share from their journaling or or we'll do a meditation and they'll share from their meditation and the light bulbs that turn on yeah you know the discoveries it's so sweet to watch i, I love and that then, yeah and i just want to hit on the on the writing because you know whether you're journaling or, or you know it doesn't have to be dear diary it could be you could you could start blogging you know article writing yeah. you know and it's just getting it out there because you when you read it back you go, who is this person? <laughs> you know, and it's like there mm-hmm. is there is a voice in you trying to come out. And you know, for mm-hmm. some people, it may not be the writing; it might be art, it might be singing, it might be dancing. But it's find yes. your expression, right? Oh yes, absolutely. And um, that reminds me, there's a, um, and this is on my website, also on the book's website. There are a couple of freebies. One is a, you can get read the first chapter in the book. Um, and that's free. There's also there's a chart in the book called um, Being Versus Doing. And you can get a copy of that on the website and work with that. And it has directions on how to process that. Because most of us are human doings, human doers all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of us want a little more of that being state, that quiet stillness, that quiet awareness. And so that activity helps you identify what you already have and then what you might move towards. And there's some suggestions and ideas in there. 
So um, you can get that free from the website. You can order the book from the website, or you can order the book through um, Amazon. It's on Kindle. It's also in um, it's softback, and then it's also at Barnes and Noble now too. Excellent. And, and you know the thing is, is um, you know getting back to your tools here, you know, uh, which you have at the back of the book, and then you mm-hmm. you know you've got this uh, the human a human doing or a human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, being while doing and you know this is you know I think always kind of one of the problems is that the, you know that fright or flight you know it, it was so busy, busy maintaining the human and that we forget that it's in partnership with the soul and the spirit and the heart and mm-hmm. the divine and that when we merge together you know stop competing with one another and become unison that you know then we're stepping into a wholeness and then we actually truly understand what it's like to be a human being because Mm -hmm. we resonate on a totally different vibration a totally different frequency Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the human beings vibrations um the human in the being state Mm -hmm. the vibrations are much higher yes and then you know eventually is we practice being in that higher vibration and being in the stillness and the awareness, then we can bring that into the doing part of our life so that there doesn't have to be a separation. We can have conscious contact with um, that force that is greater than we and and do the dishes or do the grocery shopping or be at work. Exactly. Yeah, that's actually it's a really great way to do the dishes of the housework is go off in your little astral travels while you're doing it because it makes the housework mm-hmm. less painful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm actually having a laugh here looking at the back of your book in recommended films. Uh, Ghost, mm-hmm. Interstellar, Lucy, Oh God, Matrix and What Dreams uh, May Come. And uh, I understand why you've chosen this, but maybe you'd like to kind of share uh, you know, a couple of reasons why you've chosen these movies. Well, I just thought that they were excellent il- illustrations of um, discoveries that I made along the way. You know, everyone loved Matrix, mm-hmm. and there was so much in it on multiple levels. Uh, with what dreams may come, they actually have a scene in there with the Akashic Records symbolized. And I thought, oh my God, you know, like I recognize that. Mm-hmm. So it was just seeing different... Um, writers create things that are mystical things and put them into reality and I thought it's good for us to see that um, the potential that exists in Lucy yes um, in in interstellar the whole concept about time and space being only um, locked into where we are that they're not really locked in so yeah they're good for us to stretch our minds and of course, one I would add to that now, which obviously came out afterwards, but would be the Inside Out movie. Oh, you know, I haven't seen that yet. We're going to see that this week. I would definitely <laughs> highly recommend it. And once you do, you'll, you know, next edition, you'll want to add it because, you know, it's such a, it's just, you know, it's, it's for kids, but I've seen so many adults, you know, really get a kick mm. out of this. And a lot of therapists and counselors that I recommended it to go, thank you, we're using this in our practice now. Oh my gosh. It gives permission for us to have emotions and you know uh-huh. we're taught especially our age group right suppress the emotion suppress the emotion yes. Yes. and you know this is that that emotion is there for a reason it's a reaction to something going on in your life pay attention to it don't mm-hmm. suppress it mm-hmm. uh, don't get stuck in it 
Mm -hmm. know, it, it's be aware of it, spend it, move on to the next emotion. And, uh, you know, this is something I think that's really, really important. And, and this movie really captures it very, very well. Written by two dads in perspective over their children. Very simple. I'll be darned. And, uh, and really, really good. Oh, good. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, yeah, you will enjoy that a lot. And that's the thing, right? You know, books, movies, conversations with people. You know, it, a lot of the time when we're hurting, we retreat. And uh, it, that retreat is, is what imprisons us. We really mm -hmm. have to kind of reach out and find out somebody that can hear us or see us. And for me, most certainly movies and books was my healing mode. One of them was mm -hmm. um, uh, Philip Pullman's um, The Golden Compass Trilogy called Northern Lights in North America. And it, it talks, this is one that I, you know, when talking about the soul, because in this book, and they did make a, a wonderful movie, only one, unfortunately, they didn't do the whole trilogy, of the soul being on the outside. And until you reach puberty, it's an animal that keeps changing. And then once you yeah. reach puberty, it becomes that animal that represents your soul. And it's always talking to you. It's part of you. It guides you. And I thought, I am so envious. I'd love my soul to be up here instead of me having to go inside and, and you know, <laughs> tune into it. You know, I'd love my soul there to be part of my conversation and journey in life. And I thought it was so beautifully done. So that's another mm -hmm. fabulous, written for the youth genre. But a lot of mm -hmm. these youth genre books I love because mm -hmm. it helps us find that inner voice, that inner child that's trying to come out ourselves. Mm. Mm. Wow, you got a lot more out of that. I hadn't read the series. I just saw the one film and was intrigued by it. Yeah, no, I really, the, the books are wonderful. They really are mm. wonderful. Uh, and my brother writes Hugh Shana as well. And, and he, he doesn't live his life spiritually, but he writes in that way. He always brings it in. In, in with intrigue, a love story, and spirit in there, and which is always wonderful. So, books are a wonderful way, and movies are a wonderful way to, to even actually look for the answer that, to the question you don't even know you're asking. Well, because the answers are all there. So, one of the things I recommend in the book is is seeing people or noticing people who have what you want, the kind of life that you want, and ask them how they get there. What did they do? How do they stay out of their own way? And, you know, study them and then incorporate what works for you. It's the same with the spiritual practice that I talk about. You know, a, one person may choose to be Catholic and to, to follow exactly what they're taught there, and that satisfies them. And then for someone else, it's um, one of the sects of Buddhism. And for me, it's been to study all these different ways, and to have my own unique path. I think there are a lot of people like that, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and it's pretty challenging, but there's, there's a wealth of books and teachers, and now with the Internet, my gosh, there's more than I can ever look at, to, to feed me so that I can keep expanding. And it's finding what it is that feeds you. Now, I'm not a person that can get cross-legged on the floor and go into meditation. One of the things is that I wouldn't be able to get back up again. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, for me, it's it's either going for a walk um, or it's, um, you know, or, or it's very often certain music. And uh, if I'm needing to get into a healing mode, I'll go on YouTube and just listen to some music. And I find that that yeah. just soothes the soul and the heart. It frees you. You know, from mm. that kind of that pain and you and you just start to kind of travel and just release yourself. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and we have to find out what it is that, that, you know, we've got the techniques like, you know, your seven steps. 
And those are your tools. Those are your tools that you can take with you mm-hmm. through life to live your life. But you do have to find what it is in you that is your in tunement, you know, in tuning into yourself, which kind of meditation does it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then make sure that you honor that because that's your your balance, your sacred space. That's where you rejuvenate, right? Really, making time for whatever your spiritual practice is going to be and then um, gifting yourself that every day and watching how it flourishes. And then I noticed that it creates, um, in Buddhism they call it equanimity, and that's an inner peacefulness. And I noticed that when I do my spiritual practices, then when I would go to work, I just had like more of a buffer to deal with whatever came up. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't do my spiritual practice, I could end up on edge much faster. So, yeah, it creates um, some kind of energy buffer that makes life much easier to cope with. Yeah, like one of your your, uh, services that you have, uh, Access uh, Consciousness Energetic Facelift. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is really great because we are all energy, aren't we? I mean... You know, when we're talking about vibrations, you know, love the old Beach Boys, mm-hmm. good vibrations. Um, you know, you could be talking to people laughing and then that person comes in and they're like the nails on the chalkboard and they've just <laughs> shattered that whole vibration there. And it's and it's if you're amongst people with very good vibrations, it is pooling that energy together, you know, that kind of leaves those forces out of it. But you have to put yourself around people that are kind of in that same groove, those same good vibrations, right? Mm. And I've found that if someone comes in and their vibrations are so out of sync that it, it it's hard to be around them, that I can adjust my own to compensate for that, and it makes it easier to be around them when they're ones that you, you just can't avoid. Um, so you can adjust your own vibrations. And then you mentioned the... Um, the excess consciousness facelift technique, which is just an energetic facelift, um, and and very effective. The I learned a new technique recently that is body a body processing, and it is um, a trauma release healing modality, and it's also access consciousness. And I've just added that to my business. So that's that's what my website, desertjewel.org, that's my business website, um, where people can see these different services that I offer. But that is the new one, and it is powerful. I've been enjoying watching the effect on people and how much they receive through um, just having the laying on of hands and this spe- specific technique. And the thing is, who goes through life that hasn't faced some form of trauma? I mean, you have more than your fair share, more than it. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I actually do find the people that are, have been handed down the heaviest gauntlet are the people that, you know, really rise above, even higher. Mm. And then there's others that have a small trauma and it cripples them forever. Um, so, you know, a lot of it is is kind of, again, that choice, but that stock who we're made out of, Right. Um, but there isn't anybody walking that won't go through or hasn't been through some form of trauma. And, you know, it's it's a test of how do we deal with it? How do we release it? 
Mm-hmm. Even even witnessing a car accident or being mm-hmm. in a car accident is trauma, and those are things that um, with this healing technique you can release that kind of stuff from your body. Um, old scar tissue can be healed. I just love that because I mean, how many surgeries have, have we all had? You know, and the the scar tissue inside our body, and so these techniques that heal things like that. I just love it. And, you know, people think that um, the only way you can heal things is, is, you know, through drugs, through surgery. And maybe then embracing that you actually do therapy. Uh, but, you know, it's when we actually um, align that energy and have that chi energy running mm-hmm. through our body. I mean, you know, um, uh, you know, acupuncture is absolutely brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and there's various different types of quantum healing. Um, and, and it's all about releasing the energy so that it flows through the body because we are not meant to be stagnant creatures. We're meant to be physically and emotionally and vibrationally always on the go. And, you know, if, if we get stuck in a trauma or get stuck in an illness or stuck in a pain, we're blocking that energy from going anywhere and we will literally stagnate and, and die. Uh, well, you know, our bodies are are physical and they're dense and um, we're the energy that created them and keeps them alive. So our energy is very boundless and infinite, but we do have to kind of take care of our bodies because they're just not the same. You know, they're um, matter. They're M-A-T-T-E-R, you know. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So you've got the book. Obviously, we're we're out there promoting it, and I'm you know I'm so happy that you wrote this because it's it's important. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that would hide behind that pain or, or use it, you know, f- as an excuse or use it um, to get attention. And you know, for you, it's been you know, yes, I was in the dark pit. I had to climb out of you know out of the mud. Um, you know, you, you, Murphy is your name. I used to talk about Murphy's Law all the time. Every time I got out of the sinking hole, it pulled me back in. And life could be like that sometimes, can't it? Until you find that release switch and, uh, and embrace what is possible. Well, and I think that um, no matter what um, unhappy state of mind or degree of it that we've gotten into there is a way out and for me because it'll still happen where I'll be discouraged for a couple of days and think you know what do I want and how come I'm not moving forward and then I just think my gosh you have a a book of tools here (laughs) you wrote what do you want to do Lynn you know what would you like to try just do something to move yourself forward And, and then it changes and it's it's pretty joyful and that's the point is that, you know, those emotions that you're having is generally a reflection of things going on around you. And, you know, maybe it's a person, maybe it's your job, maybe it's just, you know, there's a, a, been a lot um, lately of that there's an energy shift going on right now. Uh-huh. And for a lot of empaths and, and sensitives like me, it really throws us out. And, mm-hmm. and we find that, you know, everything becomes molasses. And sometimes you have to be aware of those energies that are shifting because you can't do anything about them. You have to just find the tools to ride them until you can go through it. And when you're tuned in and when you're aware into that consciousness and when you open your mind and your soul and your spirit and your heart to all of these things, you know, it, it becomes less intimidating, um, less fearful. And you're just so open to what is possible that nothing becomes impossible. 
Well, and I like that you mentioned that this is a time period where things are changing. I've noticed the intuition in people who never mm-hmm. thought of themselves as intuitive. Or that when I teach um, Theta Healing classes, that people who had never done a reading can do a reading within a day. That just things are shifting yeah. amazingly right now. And the children, too. Oh. It's, oh. it's very fun. Isn't it encouraging? Mm-hmm. It is. It's very encouraging. I mean, I've I've interviewed lately a lot of um, you know um, late teens or early twenties, uh, inventors, or out making movies on on conscious awareness, or you know on 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 civil rights, and uh, uh, have written books, and it's like I feel in good hands that I know I'm passing off to this age group, and mm-hmm. you know that it's not about the fame and the glory and the money. It you know the, I can call them little Bernies. Um, you know, Bernie's in training because it is about them embracing, you know, that gift and it being an ingredient that they can give to life you know, and to all living. And it's, you look at Bernie when you watch any of some of these talent shows, you've got these 15 year olds that get out there and then they start to sing like this multiple old soul. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and I think a lot of it is a, the raising of the vibration, the opening up the dimensions of energy, you know, that cosmic permission to embrace our spirit. But in our generation, and I was born a spiritual person, believe me, I was a freak in my life. Mm. It, it was just simply something you didn't talk about. No, no. Yeah. And I've, I still have friends that are not interested in any of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't talk with them much about it. Um, to, I don't want to make them uncomfortable, right. but every once in a while they'll ask a question and open the door to that conversation. That, that's really that's really satisfying. So it's like we're living in a world of both, with these people that are changing and shifting, and these amazing children, and then there are people that say surprisingly um, abrasive things where they're they're stuck a couple of decades in the past <laughs> and we have both and, and you know looking at the political arena in the states right now mm. you know it is uh, from here you know um, i actually back in october predicted um uh, trudeau would get in and i said bernie will get in and uh, and this is kind of before he really kind of got onto the arena and and you know what is heartening about that is that the more you have trump and his party um, you know, uh, degrading, demoralizing, belittling, uh, and, and everything else that comes out of their mouths. The more you've got that, the more it's making people want to go over to Bernie and saying, yes, I want to be a part of the solution. I am tired mm. of this mess. I'm going to step up and be accountable. Count me in. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, this, my prediction back then is that everybody's hungry for a shift. Everybody's mm-hmm. hungry for this new direction. Everybody's hungry for the balance to be, you know, firmly um, stabilized. And this is, we had to actually have a Trump and, and all of those. We had to have them to show how ridiculous and just how low it's gone in order to show the people that they are the answer. They need to step into it and be a part of the uh, solution. It would be so interesting to see how this all plays out because I'm I'm pretty amazed at um, how unpleasant it is mm-hmm. listening to some of them, um, but we have enough time for it to to play out, so we'll see. And I have faith that people want change. Yes, 
But they want things to be better, and I don't think that most of us want anybody hurt in the process. And some of these people are pretty hurtful in what they say. And, you know, it's let's face it, folks. You know, um, if you're angry, take a breath. Go for <laughs> a walk. Uh, understand that it all starts with words. And when, you know, a relationship starts going down the drain, it's those hurtful words that start coming out of a mouth. And they get stored in the psyche. And the next time a fight comes out, it just adds layers and layers and layers on it. So we really must be accountable of what we say and our reactions. And if you know that this spew going to come out of your mouth, step away until you've calmed down. Because mm-hmm. you can't take back. I, I don't know if you watched the skit that Colbert did. It was hilarious. He did, mm-hmm. um, he did Donald and then Trump as candidates and interviewing them both and just showed how he completely contradicted himself on everything. Mm-hmm. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is, that's what we, you know, we can't say, no, I didn't say that. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. But you said it like that in that tone. That seed's been planted. And Anytime I'm around those kind of people that say, oh, I was just kidding. Mm-hmm. I, can't you take a joke or things like that? Those are hurtful people. And I remove those people from my life. I don't need that. I prefer honesty genuineness, kindness, and there are plenty of people like that that are easy enough to be around. Those others, they're dishonest. Well, they have no place in my life. Yeah, they're insecure, they're, they're ego-driven, and, you know, that they're bullies. And, you mm-hmm. know, if, if they can bring you down to push themselves up, you know, um, they will do that. That's that self-importance that they're looking for. And don't let them. And, you know, that goes if, you, if it's a family member or a best friend. You know, if it's time to call this as an end of a chapter, you must place value upon yourself because you are with you for the rest of your life. And you are the, uh, the key main component in your life. So you've got to make sure you, you know, fuel and fortify yourself because, uh, right. um, you know, it, you're not beholden to somebody else, and especially if they're belittling, demoralizing, browbeating, degrading you in any way. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's our job to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. people like you out there who, you know, not only have you proven yourself because you've walked the path, if anybody can come through what, what you've come through, you know, people can face what they've gone through. And I have to say that, you know, shows like this with with somebody who's had such extreme loss um, always really hits me, you know, really hard because I always find it, you are the biggest beacons of light because you've had the most loss and yet you have such an appreciation for love and life and Mm -hmm. for people that, you know, in your, in your divineness, you uh, become somebody whose beacon of light isn't about a big, huge neon light or big spotlight. It just becomes a mm. pure glow of hope. And that, you know, that I went through this. I had my ups and my downs. This is what life gave me. This is the choice I made. And, you know, it's, you've raised that bar for us to rise to. So, you know, mm. thank you for finding the courage within yourself to become that beacon of light for others. Oh, my gosh, that's so kind. Thank you. I think that that's the the best thing that we can do with the tragedies and traumas in our own lives is to overcome and then be there for others. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Because your journey in overcoming gave you the tools in order to help others. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. 
right mm -hmm. you know the best lessons we can learn are from the teachers who have learnt the lessons through life mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> well i mean this has been absolutely delightful and you know um as I said, I celebrate you and, and your journey and what you've done and how you've turned things around and, and how, you know, you, you're living in hope and, um, mm -hmm. and helping other people. You know, it's you hope that people are living, but, you know, but until they're willing to embrace hope, they're not going to understand what living is. Well, and the book is called Living Hope because it's about that process of being in the hope and then it's the steps to leaving suffering behind us the rest of the title mm -hmm. and it's like okay well we can be there but let's not stay there exactly. um, I have another book that will be coming out this summer uh, called The Mystery of My Unfolding Self and it's Ooh. about the spiritual process and um, yeah unique to every individual but it's about some of my discoveries along the way and I'm hoping that readers find that as, as another encouraging path to help them find their own way and to keep moving forward well you're gonna to have to come back and let us know all about that book so we'll have you back okay. in the summer for sure I love the okay. title I think mean, that's wonderful thank you and you know this your book is so easy to read I mean really you know for me is is sometimes you can read a book for you know cover to to back and but you know sometimes something is what do I need to know today and just open up the book and then you know like here just now letting go um, in, and it's it, it, that is where you're at right now. Read the chapter because it will give you the tools that you need. And if we learn that it, it isn't like, you know, reading a book, now do an essay on it and you'll be passed or not passed. It's about using it as a tool. It's about using it as a guidance to not only to where you are right now, but also, you know, some answers and suggestions and how you can move on from it. So it's a work in process for you mm -hmm. as, as a tool, as well as your program. So once again, how do people buy the book and how do they get you? Um, you can get the book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Um, the website for the book is Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, Cockrum, C-O-C-K-R-U-M, hyphen murphy m-u-r-p-h-y dot com so lynncockermurphy dot com and then for my business for my services uh, which i can do through skype or on the telephone and so on um desertjewel dot org so i hope people buy the book and enjoy it and share it with someone else and um if your person feels inclined go to my website there's some freebies there um, there's a newsletter where I include some of the tools from the book also. Each month I talk about those. And um, they will reach out to me if they feel inclined. And you, you've made it just so inviting. You know, as for me, it's about inspire to invite. And you certainly do inspire, and you've certainly made it a very nice, friendly invitation because you haven't overcomplicated or highfalutin it. it. It's just simply mm -hmm. your story, your tools, and it's so easy for people to read it, and it makes so much sense. So, you know, highly recommend the book, folks, and, uh, you know, reach out to Lynn and let her help you uh, find your living hope and uh, the steps to leaving your suffering behind. We're not here to suffer. We're here to rise above that suffering because that suffering is actually what gives us our calling. So what calling have you got from your suffering? Uh, let Lynn help you unravel that and see where it is. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today, Lynn. Been a delight. Oh, and, and thank you. I really enjoyed it. And I look forward to interviewing you again down the road with your next book. 
Okay. And, and folks, as I said, it's it's an easy manual. If you know somebody going through something right now, you don't know what to say to them because that's very often what happens. You don't know how to reach somebody. You don't know what to say to them. Simply give them the book. Simply give them the book and say, you don't have to read it from beginning to end. Open it up. And let it speak to you. And it will be that guidance that they need. This is how we help people. This is how we help one another. Give them an inspiration that's inspired you. Thank you, Lynn, and thank you, everyone else. Until next time, your life is in your hands.